Good evening to you. If you got your Old Testaments with you this evening, open up with me to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 in your Old Testaments, that is where, where we'll find a beginning place for our study tonight. We're going to again spend most of our time this evening in the Psalms. We will branch out to some different topics as we study together uh, the next three nights. But I wanted us to spend just a little bit of time here in the book of Psalms, kind of capping off what we've discussed up to this point. And I want us to think along uh, this line tonight. What is the good life? Uh, What is the blessed life? If you were to picture your best life, if you were to picture a life full of blessing, what would that look like? Would it look like having a particular car? Uh, Would it look like having season tickets to a particular sports team? I can actually talk about liking the Rangers and the Cowboys here. We have to like the Astros and the Texans down in San Antonio, and I don't care for them. Uh, Would it be eating the finest foods that you could think of every day of your life for the rest of your life? Would it it be Brahms actually being open? That might be your best life now, right? For some people, though, the answer to that question is going to be completely different. It's going to be, I wish I wasn't in pain every day. I wish I could see well. I wish my kid wasn't sick. I wish my spouse wasn't sick. I wish my mom or my dad wasn't sick. And yet for others, the description is going to be something completely different. I I wish I just had peace. I wish I could lay my head on my pillow at night and fall asleep instead of worrying. Tossing and turning, fretting about this and about that. I don't think that more modern translations of the scriptures have done us any favors in the book of Psalms when we go through the Psalms and instead of seeing this word blessed, we see the word happy. As you look at Psalm 1 and verse 1, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. If you're reading from a newer translation, more modern translation, perhaps um, you see the word happy there. And I would respectfully submit that I think that sometimes conjures up something in our minds that may not be just exactly what the Holy Spirit intended. I understand why translators might have chosen that word. I think, though, our modern usage of that word falls far short of what the New Testament writer, or the Old Testament writer in this instance, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had to say. I I want us to jump into this a little bit tonight and explore just exactly what the blessed life is all about. When we come to the book of Psalms, uh, we realize that we're seeing a, a book that is replete with instruction and advice for how to live life. We see this all throughout the wisdom literature, right? Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes especially. But here in the book of Psalms, uh, the various authors of Psalms are very fond of this term, 
blessed. We see it here in Psalm 1. Uh, We saw it this morning in the 119th Psalm, in the very first verse there. Do you remember that? Psalm 119, over here to verse 1, how blameless, or how blessed rather, are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the way of the Lord. All throughout the book of Psalms, you are going to see this term, blessed. And what I would like for us to do tonight is go through the book of Psalms and simply identify for ourselves what the blessed life actually is. And if we can identify what the blessed life actually is, that goes a long way then towards guiding our hearts and minds into what we should be pursuing. Maybe it gives us a new perspective on life. Maybe it helps us find some of this peace and joy that we've been seeking after. Maybe it changes our focus a little bit. Uh, As we start, I I think it's entirely appropriate, although some might think it's kind of taxing. We're not going to spend very long on this, so so don't glaze your eyes over, but we're going to talk about two Hebrew words real quick. There are two different Hebrew words that are primarily used that are translated by our one English word, blessed. Uh, one of the Hebrew words is berech, the other Hebrew word is isher. These two words, again, are all translated by our one English word, blessed. But they carry two very different ideas. Ideas that we can understand contextually, uh, but ideas that we need to distinguish a little bit. Look at Psalm chapter 5 and verse 12. Psalm 5 and verse 12. Beginning in verse 11, let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy and may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exult in you. Verse 12. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. It is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as a shield. You you bless him. You berech him. You, You give him something. You favor him. To initiate, to inaugurate, or to effect favor. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, do you remember this story? This, the story of Abraham and the promises that were being made to him? God tells Abraham, go forth from your country, from your relatives and from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And in you all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will bless you, you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. To initiate favor, to inaugurate favor, to effect favor. That is, it is almost, I'm not saying it's this simple every time, but it is almost, uh, it is almost mathematical in nature. You do this, and I will give you this. Right? Uh, we, we might bless our children this way. If you clean your room, I will let you stay up and watch Matlock. I will give you ice cream. Uh, I will get you a book. You know, things like that. There is a sense in which 
Blessed means that kind of thing. And that is represented by this Hebrew word, berech. But then there is this other Hebrew word, isher. And isher is what you see in Psalm 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That man is blessed. That's not the word bayrek. That's not God saying, as long as you go down this path to me, I will give you X, Y, Z. This is something different. This is a different word and a different idea. God says, the man who does not associate with the wicked, who does not cast in with the wicked, but rather the man who follows the law of God is blessed. He is isher. And what this Hebrew word is, is it's a description of a state particularly one of happiness or privilege or blessing. I want you to notice the two differences here. One of these words, berech, is the idea of effecting favor. The other word, isher, is the idea of a description of a state or a status. With isher, it is the idea really of God looking down and saying, this is the life of which I approve. This is the divine perspective telling us this is the good life. It is a primarily and impressively heavenly perspective on things when it's used in this way. Look at these two other passages real quick. Look at 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 8. 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 8. The queen of Sheba, she's interacting with Solomon. She says to Solomon, How blessed are your men and how blessed are these your servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Why are they blessed? Is she saying X for, for Z? No. Why were these men blessed? Because they got to be in Solomon's court and hear his wisdom. She is describing a state here. These men were blessed because of the position that they occupied. Or Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 7. Flip over to this passage just very briefly with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and in verse 7. Verse 17. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of nobility and whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength and not for drunkenness. Right? A, a land that is, it's describing a state, right? It's describing a status. A, a nation is blessed when its kings, when its leaders do what? When they don't indulge themselves at the expense of others, but who eat at the appropriate time and in the appropriate way who try to take their strength and use it for good and not evil, good and not selfish purposes. Two different Hebrew words here. One is talking about effecting and receiving favor. The other is a description of a state. A description of a status. And and isher is the word I want us to focus on tonight. This is the word you're going to see most often in the book of Psalms to describe human life in terms of blessedness. This word isher is not the idea of do blank and God will give you blank. Right? This is not Joel Osteen 
in the Old Testament, you do this and God's going to give you this. God's going to help you live your best life now by giving you the bank account and the car and the clothes and the vacations and all of that. That's not the Hebrew word ishare. Ishare is the divine observation of what is the truly good and blessed and flourishing life. It is God's view of things. Not man's necessarily. It ought to be man's. We ought to adopt God's view. But here is wisdom literature at its finest. It is telling us if you want to live the kind of life that God assures you is going to bring about blessing and flourishing and is going to reap reward, it is this life. That's that's Isher. And so I want you to walk with me through the book of Psalms very briefly. And I want us to to notice uh, six, seven, eight passages in the Psalms that define for us the blessed life. We've already looked at Psalm chapter 1. or There are no chapters in Psalms, just Psalm 1. We've already looked at Psalm 1 and verse 1. How blessed is the man who uh, who does not walk with the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. Here is the blessed man described to us in Psalm 1 and verse 1. He's a man who pays attention to God's law. Right, not not the world's definition, not the world's definition at all of the blessed life, right? But it's God's definition of the blessed life. Here is the blessed life, here is a life full of blessing, a life which pays attention to to the law of God, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful, but makes his delight in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. And because of that, he will be like a tree firmly planted by the rivers of water. Look at chapter 2 and verse 12. Chapter 2 and verse 12, a very messianic psalm, looking forward to the work and the role of Jesus. But as this psalm ends, beginning in verse 10, Now therefore, O kings, show discernment, take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son that He not become angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath may soon be kindled. Now the very last phrase. How blessed are all those who take refuge in Him. Here's the blessed life. The life that takes refuge in Jehovah. This is the life that God tells us is the good life. The life that God tells us is the blessed life. Look at Psalm 32. Psalm 32, both of those blessed words in chapter uh, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are, are Esher. All of the words for blessed that you're going to see on this list are all Esher. The description of of a state or a status. 32 and verse 1. One we see in the New Testament. Paul quotes David from the 32nd Psalm here in verse 1. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. How blessed is is he whose transgression is forgiven. Here's the blessed life. Good life is a life of forgiveness. A life that has found forgiveness. A life that has received forgiveness. 
A life that seeks forgiveness. And realizing that forgiveness was available prompts David, as you look at verses 3 and 4 and 5, to go about seeking that forgiveness. And the blessings that came to him because of that. Keep going in the book of Psalms. Look at Psalm 40. Psalm 40. The blessed life here in Psalm 40 is the life that trusts God. Start in verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Verse 4. How blessed, here's our Hebrew word, Isher. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. God says, this is the man of whom I approve. This is the man who is blessed. This is the good life. The man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud or to that which is false. Look at Psalm 84. Psalm 84. In a psalm that is talking about worship in in the Old Testament temple, as we would recognize it, beginning in verse 1, How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts! My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. The one who would dwell with God. The one who would be attendant to his service. The one who dedicates himself or herself to serving and worshiping God. God says this is the blessed person. This is the person that finds the good life. Now here's something a little different. Look at Psalm 94. Look at Psalm 94. Because as we talk about the blessed life in Psalm, here here comes one that sounds kind of strange. Because God describes the blessed person as a person who is being corrected. A person who is being chastened by God. The 94th Psalm, verse 11. The Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are a mere breath. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord. And whom you teach out of your law that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity until a pit is dug for the wicked for the Lord will not abandon his people nor will he forsake his judgment. How blessed is the man whom you chasten. Again, a theme that's picked up in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Hebrews. But this doesn't sound like our normal thinking of blessing, does it? And that ought to tip us off here. There's something more to this text. There's something more going on here. 
We'll dig that out more in just a moment. 119th Psalm in verse 1, we've looked at that already. The blessed life is a life that is blameless. In the 128th Psalm in verse 1, the blessed life is a life that fears the Lord. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. How blessed is everyone who walks in His ways. And then the 146th Psalm in verse 5. Psalm 146 and verse 5. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Blessed life is one that follows God's law, that fears the Lord, that turns to God, that places his hope in God. This this is the blessed life. And so as we look at how the psalmist describes the blessed life to us, here's, here's what we've seen. All of these concepts right here are expressed to us with that Hebrew word isher. That is not the idea of if you do this, it's not the idea that, that if you fear the Lord, then I'm going to give you X and Y and Z. That's fundamentally not the idea here. But the fundamental idea is, with these things present in our lives, God says, this is the good life. This is God from heaven looking down and telling us, if you want a successful, meaningful life in the eyes of the person who ultimately matters, This is the life you need to lead. These are the choices you make. These are the things you pursue. We spend so much time in our culture today, and I'm speaking generally here, but we spend so much time in our culture today seeking after things that ultimately do not matter. That in the end, it's going to be gone anyway, like, the, like Solomon describes in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to die, and it's going to be left behind. Like the words of really good bluegrass song, you're never going to see a U-Haul pulled behind a hearse. It stays here. It's not going with you. And if we spend all of our lives in efforts and spending our time and our money and our energy on things that really don't matter, what have we done in this life? But then the other side of that is true. If we do spend our time and our energy and our focus and our money on these kinds of things that are so crucially and vitally important, then what's the end of it? I'll tell you what the end of it is. We've pleased God. And it doesn't matter if we please the rest of the residents in Titus County. It doesn't matter down there in Bear County that somehow has an X in its name, but they still call it Bear. It doesn't matter if you please the rest of the residents of Bear County. Or Titus County or Gregg County or Upshur, Upshur County. That's its own kind of animal, but we'll talk about them later. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you don't please a one of them. But if you please God, that's what matters. And that's the point here. That is what the psalmist is trying to get across to us. Do not let culture define for you what the good life is. God says, you listen to me. And trust me when I tell you what the good life is. So when we see 
the blessed life defined for us in Psalms. Let me tell you, we shouldn't understand this word as blessed. Let me give you two real good reasons why in, in our modern English today, happy is not the right word. All right? And I'm not telling you if, you, if you've got a translation that uses the word happy, I'm not telling you to rip it out and go burn your Bible, okay? Not saying that at all. But I am saying let, let's make sure we have the right perspective here. Two passages. Look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, and I want you to start with me in verse 4. Psalm 34 and verse 4. The psalmist says, I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and He rescues them. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Now scratch out that word blessed and write happy in there. Let's, let's work that. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who takes refuge in Him. And we may have this cross-stitched on a pillow or we may have it embroidered on a, on a little placard in our kitchen, so taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's fine if you do. But there's a context here. Does your Bible have a little heading as you begin the 84th Psalm? My notes of this is a Psalm of David when he feigned madness before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. David's on the run here, isn't he? Fleeing for his life. Yes, taste and see that the Lord is good. And He encamps like an angel around those who are His. How blessed is the man, verse 8, who does what? Takes refuge in Him. Let me ask you something. You ever been on the run from something? I can remember we had a get-together. It's about third or fourth grade. Had a get-together over at Dub and Christine Freeman's farm, members of the, the church there in Conway. Had a little fall get-together one Saturday night. Dub had a couple of ponds out on his land. We all used to, kids, just thought that was the coolest thing, go fishing or throw rocks into it or whatever. Then he had some geese kind of took up, you already know where this is going, don't you? He had some geese took up residence out there at that pond. Geese, they aren't too scared, little third, third grade boys. They get to running after you. They get to honking and throwing those wings out and getting after you. And a couple of them got pretty serious about getting after us and chased us a good 20, 30 feet. I'm pretty well convinced I was going to get eaten by a goose. I was running for refuge anywhere I could get. And let me tell you, when I was running for refuge, you know what I wasn't? I wasn't happy. David's running for his life here. Do you think David's happy? 
Is he just merely skipping down the path away from... No, not at all. Now the end result is happiness for David. He is surrounded by a God who's going to protect him. I'm not disputing that at all. And certainly that is an occasion for us to be happy. That we have a God who loves us and protects us. But that's not what the verse is talking about. Here is a man who is on the run. Happy? No. But blessed? Yeah. Why? Because he's serving God. Because he's not giving in to the ungodly. Look at the 94th Psalm. Psalm 94. You ever remember a time? Not any time. Do you remember that time? When you were growing up and, and that change in your relationship with your parents happened. For some of us this came earlier. For some of us this came later. Where the spankings didn't work anymore. Before she passed, my, my dad loved to tell this story about his mom. He'd gotten in trouble one day, and he, he was about a sophomore or a junior in high school. He had been on the football team, was on the track team, played, played all sorts of sports. And she, she took him out, and she pulled out the fly swatter. That was her chosen weapon of, of the day. And she was going to bend him over the bed and, and spank him with the fly swatter. And she went to do that, and he just kind of stuck his hand back there and caught the fly swatter. And they both just kind of looked at each other for a second and started, started laughing. There wasn't anything else they could do. The relationship had kind of changed there now. Now, he got in trouble, and he learned his lesson. But do you remember that, that, that change that might have happened in, in your life where maybe your parents didn't punish you like that anymore, but you, for the first time you got that? You got that conversation from your parents. I'm just disappointed in you. Right? Just. It's like, just get the wooden spoon and the belt. Let's do them all at one time. I'd rather have that than you tell me you're disappointed at me, right? We got chastened. We got told that what we were doing was wrong. Shouldn't have been doing it. You know better. And you hurt me and I'm disappointed. Was anybody happy in that moment? Maybe happy you didn't get your rear end blistered, okay? Anyone happy in that moment? No. Did just about every one of us look back on that moment with thanksgiving now that we had parents who loved us enough to discipline us? No, I do. Not a one of us was happy. But every one of us with godly parents who were doing that for us were blessed. There's a difference, isn't there, between being happy, as our culture uses it today, and being blessed. How should we understand this idea of each year? It's not the idea of happy. 
Because this is what happy doesn't convey. This, this confident inner peace. Because we know we have God's favor. Because we know that we're pleasing God. Go back to Psalm 1 and, and notice this for me. This is all going to be from, from the context of these Isher passages. But look, for example, in, in Psalm 1, but this time at verses 3 and 5. Here's the man who is blessed because his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And as you look down particularly at verse 5, what do you have? How are you blessed? Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Do you, do you know what I have? You know why I'm blessed? How I'm blessed? Because I have belonging. That I have a place amongst the righteous that the wicked don't. There's peace. There's confidence. Peace and confidence that I belong somewhere. That's a blessing from God. Psalm 34. Look over here at Psalm 34. Verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Now verse 9, O fear the Lord, you His saints, for to those who fear Him there is no want. There is nothing that we want. There is nothing that we need. We are in need of nothing because God provides for us. Confident inner peace because of God's favor, because He takes care of us. Sees our needs and makes sure our needs are taken care of one way or another. The fact that we have pardoned. Psalm 32. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Confident inner peace because of God's favor. There's pardon, forgiveness, hope. Look at Psalm 65. Psalm 65. And verse 4. How blessed is the one whom you choose to bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. You see how, how that statement is just made? And, and they're... There's no explanation there. It's just as though it perfectly flows from the one idea to the next. Look at that again. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. And for those who are brought near to you and who dwell in your courts, we will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. There's blessing. Being with God. And because we have that kind of a heart, because we have sought after God and been brought near to Him, we now find what? I mean, get what the psalmist says here. Satisfaction. We used to have a song like that way back in the old, depends on 
what you ordered. They were the old blue books, the old green books, or the old gold books. If I can hold to my Savior's hand, I'll be satisfied then. You know the kind of life that's going to be satisfied being in God's presence? The kind of life that made it its goal to be there with Him, to be in His presence. That's the life that's going to be satisfied by being present with God. Look at the 84th Psalm. Psalm 84 and verse 5. We read earlier, verse 4, how blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. And then verse 5. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you and in whose heart are the highways to Zion. There's destination, isn't it? There's destination. Whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. You look at the blessed life here in Psalms, we're talking about a confident inner peace because of God's favor. Understanding God, understanding His will, and orienting my life towards Him, this is what the book of Psalms teaches us is the blessed life. Culture's got its own idea. And since the beginning of Christianity, Christians have, have, have had to fight against culture in all sorts of different ways. You and I have the same battle that they did back then. We've got to fight against culture. It presents in different ways. And at different points in time in different cultures, certain issues are more of a problem than others. But the battle has always been do I conform my mind to culture or do I conform my mind to Christ? And what the book of Psalms would call us to do is to conform our hearts and our minds to Christ and to His Father. The good life in the book of Psalms has nothing. Did you notice this? All of these passages have nothing to do with wealth or privilege or popularity. None of them. And if that's not how the good life is defined to us by God, we need to take note. That's not what the good life is. The good life is not focused on receiving specific acts of favor from God in response to my personal service. You do this and I'll give you that. That's not the idea here. But here's what the good life is. The good life is a flourishing life of confident inner peace that springs from my submission to the wisdom of God. I seek God, I hear God, I trust God, and I know God. That's the blessed life. That's what we've seen all throughout the book of Psalms here. And so here's my question to you tonight. Does my view of the good life reflect God's wisdom? What I think the good life is, 
is that what God tells me a good life is? Can I make one other application to you before we wrap up? Come over here to Matthew chapter 5. I know we haven't been in the New Testament, I don't think at all, tonight. We will be the rest of, of our evening studies together. But let me, let me bring this home in the New Testament in one specific way for us. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus preaching in the Sermon on the Mount here. Did you have a Bible class teacher back in the day who made you memorize the Beatitudes? I remember Carolyn Reeves and Ann Crow back at the old Highway 65 building teaching our Bible class and we'd have those, those cut out pasted bumblebees on the wall. And you'd write one of these characteristics on each one of them. That's how you'd remember your B attitudes. Right? Never, never underestimate the work that good Bible class teachers can do. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Maybe you've heard of, of the Septuagint before. The Greek translation of the Old Testament scriptures. You know our Old Testament's primarily written in Hebrew. In the first century, uh, you've got a, a lot of Jews who are learning the... the uh, not, not Jews, pardon me. You, you've got a lot of folks in the first century... In, in Gentile areas, we might say, who are becoming acquainted with the Old Testament. They don't speak Hebrew. They speak Greek. So what happens? You get Greek translations of the Old Testament scriptures. With our New Testaments being primarily in Greek, you would sometimes see references back to the Hebrew. And when you go and you... You look at, when you go and look at how Matthew 5 is translated in Hebrew, you know what the word for blessed is? It's Esher that we've talked about the whole time. And in the Greek translation of the Old Testament scriptures, the Greek word for blessed that you see here in Matthew 5 matches up with that Old Testament Hebrew word that we've seen all throughout Psalms. He share. That is, when Jesus is talking to us in the Sermon on the Mount about the blessed life, He's not talking about a this-for-that relationship. What Jesus is telling us is what the good life is. Here's the good life. Here's the life that is blessed. Here's the life 
that has God's approval. The life to which God calls us. A life pointedly that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. I appreciate your good attention this evening. I know not everybody's a fan of studying their, their Old Testaments, especially in Sunday sermons. So you've been gracious to let me talk about that, and I appreciate it. We move forward into our studies these next three nights. We're going to be focused a lot on New Testament principles. I hope you'll bring your Bible with you, bring somebody along with you. We're going to study together, and we're going to draw closer to God. As you look at your life this evening, as I look at mine, maybe you and I are convicted that kind of life we've been living is not the good life that God calls us to and we need to make some changes. Maybe if that's of a private nature, you and I need to pray to God on our own. We need to seek His forgiveness. Maybe you've been struggling with sin in your own life and you want your brethren to pray for you, pray with you, encourage you. If you'd like for us to do that for you this evening, we'd love to do that. Maybe as you look at your life, you haven't even started down the path of this good life. Maybe you haven't given your life over to Jesus like you should, like we talked about this morning. But if you're ready to do that, we're ready to help you do that. If there's any way we can help you respond to the gospel this evening, would you come while we stand and while we sing? Sunshine of love will thou roam farther and farther away. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is waiting, oh, come to him now. Waiting today, waiting today. Come with thy sins at his feet, lowly bow, come and no longer delay. Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is pleading all this to his voice. Hear him today, hear him today. They who believe on his name shall rejoice, quickly arise and obey. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today.